Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman broadcasting from the Getting Better Healthcare studios here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. On today's program, we're going to be talking about what doctors' personal characteristics uh, are brought to the patient-physician interaction. We're not going to talk about years of education today or the various board certifications. We're going to talk about something more personal, those personal characteristics doctors bring, even religious issues. We're joined today by Dr. Keith Vaughn. He's a practicing dermatologist in the Pacific Northwest. He's a graduate of the Oral Roberts University School of Medicine, and he practices in Pullyallup, Washington. Keith, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. On our program, we've covered many aspects of the healthcare system. We've talked a lot about doctors, about their training, about certification, but in today's show, I wanted to go in more depth detail about what it's like being a physician. To start, is, is it just about making diagnoses and, and giving patients the right treatment? No, thanks for inviting me, Steve. It's, you want to meet the patient where they're at, and, and we're blessed to be able to have the training we have. I mean, 12 years of training after high school uh, for the average uh, physician or specialist. And so we have a lot of uh, training, and that's not only scientific training, but you have opportunity to have uh, personal and interpersonal training as well during that, uh, that time. Is that one of the strengths of our medical training system, the personal and interpersonal training we get? I don't know that it's one of the strengths. I think it, it can be. Uh, there, uh, I've, I've been impressed with the colleagues I've met over the years. I've been a dermatologist for 25 years, so I've, uh, I've been fortunate to meet uh, a, a wide variety of uh, specialists and primary care physicians. My dad was a country doctor in western Tennessee when I was growing up, and, and so I, I have been fortunate to see and experience the heart of the physician from uh, my early years. It sounds like this personal and interpersonal training that we physicians get isn't coming from sitting in a classroom and talking about it, but more observing the physicians around us and our patients and how they interact. Right. We Actually, some medical schools um, may incorporate the personal and interpersonal more than others. I was uh, I was fortunate to go to a medical school that uh, that 
and that was uh, in a school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oral Roberts University. And it, it was uh, uh, a medical school where you felt like that the person you're, you're going to be visiting with in the exam room is a, a whole person that is not only the physical person, but the mental and emotional person and the physical person. So the patients are, are people. They're different. They're not just a disease. I get the sense that we doctors aren't robots either, that we vary in what we bring to this interaction. We do, and when, when patients come into the room, we, we uh, have fairly limited time to not only deal with their disease issue, but then maybe how that disease is affecting them and even how it could affect us. So uh, there's, there's a lot of things to cover, and, and there's the, the big risk of, of becoming very superficial. Are there any common issues that come up in your practice that involve your personal philosophy and that your personal philosophy affects how you manage the patient? Yes. Uh, for example, I think one of the easiest questions I get is when a patient says, should I worry about this? And I, before they even finish the question, I'm going to say no, because my part of my, and then I share a little bit of my philosophy, but I do answer their question, uh, of which is more of a concern issue, but I'm a, I'm a believer that worry is, uh, itself is unhelpful, and it's unhealthy, it's unwise, and very distracting, and it uses up a lot of the energy that the patient uh, could use to uh, spend on more positive things. So that's one example right there of, of a common question I've, I'm asked, and my philosophy almost uh, it, it refocuses the, the answer. And, and, and I guess in a, in a healthy way, because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that, that worry is a learned phenomenon and, and not uh, genetic, and, and that, uh, that we can unlearn and, and, and relearn better responses. I know, you know, for example, my mother used to, uh, when I was over in Germany, I was in the military as a physician, and, and that was before cell phones back in the 90, early 90s, and she'd... Um, she tried to get a hold of me and couldn't. I'd be, uh, I was a chief of medicine of a small hospital. I was a dermatologist, and, and yet I was single, and I was doing all sorts of trips and learning how to ski and doing other things. I was really uh, fortunate. And, and when I get back in touch with her, she says, well, you know, I was worried about you. And I go, Mom, next time that you think about me and want to worry about me, just uh, maybe say a prayer for me. And that way you're kind of refocusing with the positive. And, and, and not uh, left with this worry. <laughs> one, one of the things that I think worries, uh, worries physicians, and maybe excessively, uh, are what uh, the physicians might term difficult patients. And um, I, I don't want to blow this out of proportion because, you know, I, I, I've seen the data, and, and generally speaking, patients love their doctors. But there are difficult patients or, or it's situations where there's conflict between doctors and physicians, do you have special ways of of managing those interactions? You, you know, I had a patient yesterday that I would not have labeled as a difficult patient, but uh, she, actually, she she is. She has very uh, challenging dermatosis that leads to some scarring of her nails, 
and she was back for the second time. She was a lady in her uh, late 40s. And as I come in, you know, at, I, I'm, I'm on this schedule, and I'm trying to stay on a schedule and, and yet be sensitive to their needs. Well, I, I notice she's tearing up. And so that usually uh, tells me to go into break mode, B-R-A-K-E. And, and so I sat down. And I said, you know, what's, uh, what's on your mind? And, and you know what she was crying about, Steve, is because uh, I thought of her because you mentioned how patients really like their physicians. She had had the same primary care doctor for 30 years and the same gynecologist for 30 years. And recently, in recent months, her primary care doctor had retired, and so the, and the gynecologist had offered to take uh, take her as primary care, actually. And he had just unexpectedly died two weeks ago. Oh, my. And she just was feeling this intense loss. Uh, and that showed you how much she had invested in this relationship that sometimes as physicians we might take for granted. And and the difficult patient is more than just the, the difficult to treat, uh, and in my context, a skin issue. And you're, you're someone who is considered a, an international expert with a lot of different dermatoses, particularly psoriasis. And psoriasis is not something that we talk about with cure, but in, in management. And, and so uh, what I will do uh, on a good day is when I when particularly, and you know psoriasis patients are the ones that I, I usually will use this with uh, phraseology. When, they, when I come in the room, they're the veteran, and I say, what do you want to accomplish from today's visit? And that really gets them, uh, I don't know what's on their mind. There's a lot of things on their mind, why this isn't working, why that isn't working, why this is working. And then they're able to uh, get me focused on what best I can help them with. And, and if, uh, if the difficulties seem to be adding up, I'll try to refocus with that question. We've been talking... Um in some detail about rather secular philosophy issues and practical ways physicians interact with patients. I get the sense that religion is a big part of people's lives. Do you feel like religion play that, that the doctor has plays a, a part in, in what they do as a physician? Oh yeah. You know, as we are, uh, as I mentioned earlier in, the, in the, this program, we are more than just a physical person that gets out of bed in the morning. We are uh, a spiritual being that has here and hereafter ramifications. We, we, are, uh, we are a mental, uh, complex being of emotions that can vary from day to day and from within the day. And so uh, if, if the physician... I feel that a physician is strongest who is not only in good physical shape, but they're they're spiritually healthy, and they're and you know for me that spiritual health might might mean a certain thing, and for you it might mean a certain thing, um, and that that can be uh, that can be debatable, but I know uh, so I I guess my my spiritual mentor would be Jesus Christ from. Uh, from the Bible, and uh, and and there are a lot of people in even today's 
society and culture who have uh, him as their same role model. I mean, look at Martin Luther King and, and all the wonderful things he was able to accomplish, and he would be probably the first to say that uh, Jesus was his role model. And, you know, we need to, we can, we can live with uh, anger, which, which would not be healthy. <laughs> we could live with stress, and, or we can, we can relieve and release stress, or we can live by the, the Spirit, as mentioned in, in the Bible's book of Galatians, which, which is incorporating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that what you want from your physician, Steve? Um, well, you, you'd like uh, to you want the right diagnosis. You know, I want the right diagnosis. I want the right treatment. And then, uh, absolutely. Uh, I think, I, think all, I, I couldn't write all those things you, d- you said down fast enough, but hopefully between Google well, and Galatians, I'll be, able to, I'll be able to pull it up. You know, I come from a very different faith tradition, but I have tremendous respect for some of the things that you've pulled um, from your um, faith tradition and brought to your practice of medicine. Can you give me, you know, a specific example where, you know, you're interacting with a patient and, I don't know, maybe things are, aren't going exactly the way you want and you decide, you, you bring Galatians to mind and you, and you think about love, joy, and peace and it changes how you work with your patient? Uh, it's sometimes... Sometimes it's easier. Uh, I, I found it to be easier almost before I go in the room. Before I go in the room, I'm, I will uh, take the, the bit of the chart that I have, and if it's particularly an established patient, I'll I'll look and see uh, briefly what the salient points of the last visit were, and if if some some things are fortunately easy. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years. Some things are more of a challenge, and when it's a challenge, on a good day, I'll even say a little prayer before I go in, just asking the Holy Spirit to give me strength and wisdom and patience. And then as I walk in, I'm sort of armed to do the right thing. And, and a good, um, again, on a good day, I'm a good listener. And so uh, I... I sort of get out of my own way and listen to the patient, and I feel like by doing those things, I'm emulating some of the, the uh, pillars of, of my faith and the people that I've interacted in my life that have uh, shown the qualities I want to emulate. So, uh, but, but almost, you know, if I'm in the room... Uh, and, and things are challenging, I will, all, you know, you can, you can say a little prayer or a little meditation to yourself. You can even, you know, for the certain patient, you can discern uh, someone who is, is uh, willing to have you pray for them. Let, um, let's talk I, about it. I don't want to talk about a, a particular patient, but a, maybe a particular situation. I'm, I'm sure every specialty has these. Um, let's talk about a, um, the parents who bring in their child with a wart. And I don't know if our listeners realize this. Warts are caused by a virus. They can be extraordinarily resistant to therapy, and parents can be desperate for their, their, their child to be perfectly well and don't want this wart there. Um, they might get angry about what's being done or what isn't being done. 
uh, what the limitations of therapy are. In, in that sort of situation, um, does your uh, religious tradition help you uh, in, in your patient management? Well, it does because I, I realize that anger, for example, is is always a uh, it's well it's always a negative um, emotion that will will interfere with communication. Now, if I'm angry, it, it the the communication is going to be stopped. If they're angry, they might they, they need to vent something, and they might not hear what I have to say in in reaction. And and you 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 realize that when when you get someone that's angry, then it's it's easy to react in anger, and that that is not the uh, the call from my Christian tradition. It's more to react. It's it's more of like okay, they're angry for a reason. Um, let 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 me understand what that reason is, and let me see if I can refocus. Like for example, if they come in and they're going. I've had this, my poor child has had this wart frozen four times by his, his uh, other doctor. And I'll go, you know, um, I understand. And, I, I, and I'll, I'll let them know right then. I'll try to tell them about the pathophysiology or help them better understand why warts can be so uh, difficult. And I say, you know what, we get frustrated with warts too. Uh, we'd like them to go away in one or two visits, but I say it can... Um, and then I'll I'll give them some hope that that this this war we can help them get that war to go away faster than time alone would, and that's one of the things I feel like that a lot of patients in our culture are missing is hope. And one of my favorite verses is is a verse from the, the Bible's New Testament from Romans fifteen thirteen, and this is really an encouraging verse. And I don't typically share it with them, but it helps me. And it's may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I have hope, then then I have a better chance of giving them hope. If, if I go in and I'm kind of, my tank is empty, then, then we're uh, fighting an uphill battle. Keith, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners tonight? Let's see. Uh, I, you know, perhaps there's uh, uh, the, when when someone comes into the office, it's just a privilege to have a visit with them, and and they, it might say on the paper from the nurse triage that they're here for uh, a, a lesion on on their skin or a rash or something like that, and and I I found that a lot of times like men in their 30s. When they come in, it's not always what's written on the sheet, that there's this, I, I, I want to be discerning of the actual reason for coming. I, I call it my, the ARC, you know, and, and so I have, I try to put on my especially tuned listener ears and, and see if, it's almost like a little challenge game for me to see if I can get it out of them, because, because that, that demographic, that young man in his, uh, uh, of all walks of life in their 20s and 30s, they don't have a lot of time for doctors and doctor visits, not that everybody else does, but usually their actual reason for coming um, is is not listed, and it, a lot of times it's below the belt. And so 
that we can get to that, and then they actually feel fulfilled and, and their time wasn't wasted. Um, another thing is uh, I've, I've found that there's this uh, uh, author, Gary Chapman. I've read his book called The Five Love Languages, and just like that can be those, those love languages can be helpful in interpersonal relationships. They can be helpful when you're having a doctor-patient relationship, somebody who a patient might really value quality time, for example. Another one will be like, what are you going to do for me, this acts of service? Another one, the first thing they do when they walk out of the room is go to the where we have little samples of uh, moisturizers. They, they're really into gifts. And then somebody else, physical touch. If you don't, if you, if, if you have... Uh, drop the ball by going in that room and not put your hand on that person, you uh, you have uh, failed them at that visit. And then other is words of encouragement. Somebody who's, who is struggling day in and day out with uh, chronic dermatosis, they they need words of encouragement. They're doing the right things. And so, and then they'll continue to do the right things, hopefully. So I, I just, I tell you, Steve, it's a, it's a privilege to, to do what I do, I enjoy it, and and I'm uh, happy to share some of these thoughts with you. We are very lucky. Thanks so much for your time this evening. Thanks, Steve. I have tremendous respect for Dr. Vaughn and his self-awareness of how personality of physicians makes a difference in the physician-patient interaction. He's really considered how his faith tradition uh, is involved in making him a better physician. Medical care, as I found out, you know, I I come from the test tube research world. I, I, I found out the hard way. It's not just about making a diagnosis and prescribing a treatment. There's, there's much more to it than that. There's a, a personal interaction taking place that I think would be difficult, if not impossible, to replace with a, uh, with a robot. Now, you may be thinking, I wish I had a doctor like Dr. Keith Vaughn. Um, it may seem to you that your doctor is a robot. I don't know. Maybe you have a doctor you love, like most people do. But one of the things I think should be very clear is that just as doctors shouldn't blame patients, uh, that they should take personal responsibility to make the patient-physician interaction the best it could possibly be, I would encourage you to think in the same way. Because if you have the kind of attitude about life that Dr. Keith Vaughn exudes, I think you will find that you'll be able to have great relationships with your physicians and others. Well, with that, I hope you've enjoyed our program today and will join us again next week. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E dot com, drscore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.